0: Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I'm your host, Deepalm. Follow me on Twitter at Deepalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR Network at, you guess it, the intern Network. You found us. Don't lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for absolutely free. Before I introduce this week's guest, and by God, yes, we have a guest this week, and we are recording. I've checked twice. Um, I got asked this week, what is your podcast about? And I said sports, and they said what kind of sports? And then I kind of froze, because I do adhere to the idea of Stan Lee: every comic is someone's first comic. You should be able to explain yourself pretty quickly. And I wanted to share that here because I think this show is kind of a hour to hour fifteen overview of the week in sports, so that when these topics come up in your life, you don't have anyone can drop stats. Anyone can tell you, oh, this guy had so many points this game. I want you to push the conversation. Take what I'm talking about. I, I don't spend that much time with every topic. I know it's not that long of a show because I want to give you guys in and out and have going with your lives. But I, I like to be entertaining and have fun, but also make you think a little bit. And also give you a little bit of a, a escape from, like, as you look outside and you see the hellscape that is approaching us. This is an hour where you don't have to think about it as much. It's still going to creep into sports, but hopefully I can you know, get your mind off of it. But this week we do have a guest, as I mentioned. This guest is the last guest who you guys didn't hear, but it was a great podcast, trust me. And he's back for three reasons. One, he didn't mock me too hard about not recording last week, so I really do appreciate that. Two, quite frankly, he at my jokes. I, I appreciate that. And three, he's a great conversationalist, and he has great thoughts on the things that we're talking about. Aaron from the Unreasonable Frank Friday's Podcast Network. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, what's going on? Um... Uh, As a person who has been responsible for about a thousand podcasts, I've lost podcasts in every conceivable fashion. Um, I've had a program stop. I've had recording stop. I've had equipment fail. I've had the internet go out. So I'm not, anyone losing a podcast is not going to be derided by me in any way, shape, form or fashion. I've lost podcasts. I've I've, all types of, I I could go on There's a whole episode. We could record about (laughs) (laughs) fails. That I've experienced so yeah no, it, it happens and it's perfectly fine I'm perfectly fine with running it back I enjoy being on the program thank you for having me twice even though this is once first
0: you know numbers numbers do lie occasionally and this is one of those times but I do appreciate you coming back on um we're going to talk about you know come some of the things we talked about last week but a lot more of new stuff uh I do want to get into your Bengals fandom because I think that's a story that the uh the people need to hear and also help you understand college football and how the sec has treated me my entire lifetime before we get into those topics i want to start in the league no one covers the WNBA. Um, and i'm not claiming i'm some wmba stalwart again i was one of those assholes for years i was like i would never watch and then i watch and now i'm like oh this is better than a lot it's way better than any college basketball i watch the only college basketball i watch is women's basketball um, i know they're bringing back college basketball in the winter we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks but There was a story out of the wubble, which they're calling the WNBA bubble, that could have been covered a lot more. So, before the Seattle Storm Minnesota Lynx played their first game one of their semifinal, it was postponed because Seattle Storm had three
2: inconclusive COVID tests from Sunday. Now, if they had come back as positive tests, I don't know what the WNBA would have done.
0: Um, I do know that their testing has been very, very thorough throughout the, the level of experience, that they've had no breakouts and no problems since people have gotten in there. It's one of the really kind of miracles of sport. that This has been pulling off this well. But the WNBA didn't equivocate. It didn't negotiate. Once the inconclusive tests were back, it said, oh, guess what? We're not playing. We're postponing the open opening this best of five series. We're going to see what's going on. And Aaron, I tell you right now, that wasn't covered. And what also wasn't covered was the fact that when they did the final testing, all the tests came back negative. But Aaron, if they had come back positive, the shit that would have fallen on this league for no good goddamn reason, it it makes my skin crawl. The, The story that didn't happen makes me upset, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh yeah, I know, I totally understand. Um we don't have anything to say about the WNBA unless it's something negative, even though they are true vanguards in so many ways, including this, because um I mean I, I don't wanna derail. I'm not I don't wanna I don't wanna divert anyone anyone's eyes from your story, but professional wrestling could really take several you know, they could just take the whole book. Just give them the book just give um, give them I'll, the book you right
0: oh. that. we're gonna be covering the aew nxt breakouts and how it's affecting all that that's easy I, I, that's what we call the business of tease, guys you're wrestling fan hang on we're good to you, i promise
1: right so it's like i i see it so any 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 business anything that stops at the possibility of a positive covid test just one gets my respect because we are having some major trouble with that basic facet of our existence
0: it's it's so And again, this should be focusing on how well it was handled. They saw the inconclusive tests. They said, hold on, we're going to stop and ask questions. And I know the pushback is going to be, it's easier to do this for the WNBA because there's less considerations around. And You're probably right. But that's not their fault. They did what they had to do within the paradigm that's been established for them. In a world where they're telling us that there are no NFL positive tests and we are choosing to believe them, In a world where colleges are hiding their tests, the WNBA said, hey, our playoff game, it ain't happening. We're going to wait two days because we need to make sure this is safe. And the WNBA commissioner had the best quote of the week. This is bigger than sports. And I needed to hear someone in charge of something say that. Especially here as we sit here in September, and I'm watching numbers tick back up, and I'm watching Florida open up all the way because I guess they're just trying to kill people. I uh,
1: because fuck it, by the way. <laughs> that's the official ruling. That is the, the, that is the ruling. It's <laughs> <is> fuck it. <laughs> um,
0: um it. but yeah, just I wanted to take some time top of the show, tip the cap to the league that's been doing it right, has done it right, has been doing it right since the beginning. Um. I have two tepid pieces of baseball news. Steve Cohen has been approved to buy the Mets. For those of you who don't follow baseball, and dear God, why would you? The Mets have been a morbid franchise for my entire 35 years on this earth. They have been a laughing stock. They've been a butt of jokes. and I'm saying this as a Braves fan, nominally, formally, historically Braves fan. But one of the reasons for their ineptitude has been the fact that the Wilpon and Katz families owned this team. If you're saying, Wilpon family, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, go look at the Ponzi scheme thing a couple of years ago. They got caught up in that. They had the kind of brainpower working with the top of the Mets organization. Steve Cohen came in with an all-cash offer. He's bringing back a, um, a favored GM as president. And I want everyone to be excited. If you're a Mets fan, I hope springs eternal. I also want to remind you, we just did this with Steve Ballmer and the fucking
2: Clippers. At a certain point, you are who you are, Mets. Let's be careful.
1: The um, New York Mets, as a person from New York, um, they are why I couldn't. either, why I grew up hating baseball because my dad was a <laughs> Mets fan. And he would subject me to their endless string of 2 1 games every afternoon. They'd take me home from school and he'd just be sitting there and I would eat. And it was always Mets. I became a Yankees fan because the Yankees were exciting on some level. Like they actually scored three to four runs a game on average. It was fucking crazy. But more importantly, the Mets currently have an entire they they they've cannibalized the Brooklyn fuck the Mets, actually. You know what? Fuck the Mets. Now okay, this is all coming back to me. Fuck the New York Mets. They cannibalized the Brooklyn Dodgers and then put their fucking brand new fucking stadium in the middle of a fucking tire yard that makes everybody go to the end of Queens to sit they go to a tire yard to watch their games and look at them hold up the the, the the carcasses of the fucking Brooklyn Dodgers and have no acknowledgement of the Brooklyn Dodgers other, mm-hmm. other than to have some heritage to hold up against the New York Yankees having been around since World War I or whatever.
0: I, so, I wanna go. I, this I, is my favorite part of this show, by the way. I'll have people on and we'll talk about things that are on the docket and I'll stumble across things that make people matter. than I can. I have a guest. I one of my good friends, actually, who when we did UD Pod, he'd come on, or see when we did um UD podcast he would occasional co-host, and I never remembered that he just hated Missouri, like the entire state. And so, anytime Mizzou would come up in college football, which it did at the time, he would lose it for five minutes. And I had no idea you hated the Mets like this, but this makes me. The thing about it was, me. I don't watch.
1: I don't watch. I live in. I, I I live in California. I don't. I I've I've loosely adopted the Oakland A's. I can't be a Yankees fan because they have this whole weird propaganda network that. When you grow up, when you grow up hating the Mets, the Yankees are fine. When you go into the rest of the world, it's fucking creepy. So, yeah. no. And um, but I didn't realize how much I hated the Mets for cannibalizing the Brooklyn Dodgers in the moment. I realized why I hated them so much is because when is because when they to, when they propped up their new stadium, they pretty much were like the rich history of the Mets by holding up the rich history of the Dodgers. They have no connection to the Dodgers until they propped up that stadium. Sure. It was the scammiest thing I have seen in all my years watching baseball. And then they put the whole fucking new stadium in the middle of fucking tire. It's surrounded by mechanics and automotive places. All
0: of them. <laughs> wall to wall. It's a, is scamm- a nice borough. You wouldn't know it watching a Mets game.
1: Listen, they have a beautiful stadium and they put it in a terrible place. And their whole team is a scam. The stadium is a scam. The Mets deserve what they get. They don't deserve a good owner. I just realized all came back to me. I was like, why don't I like the Mets? Oh, because they're in a scam from top to bottom. The best, my favorite part of the Mets is Bobby Bonilla because they still pay him twenty years That's, after the
0: fact. I have four friends in my phone who get a text from me once a year, and it's Bobby Bonilla day.
1: Yes, it is my. He's my favorite Mets of all time because he is securing <laughs> the bag in into infinity. Perfect oh, in the two the bag. Right. He, we don't know when he will stop securing the bank. He is the greatest <laughs> man of all time. They should focus the new stadium, the history of the Mets, is Bobby Bonilla's infinite bag. Put down Jackie
0: Robbins' fucking corpse. Fucking put that down. Put down the Dodgers' corpse. Put it down. I've got to, I've got to be honest, didn't see it coming. This is one of those, This is why we. This is why I love podcasts. I had no idea this was coming, but I'm really glad you're here. Because <laughs> okay. if, if there's one thing you and I can relate on, I may not love the Braves anymore, but I will always hate the fucking Mets. Sports hatred is stronger than sports love. Never, ever forget that. And how do I know that? Because the Braves won the NL East. Because last night, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. hit a 495-foot home run. Longest in the baseball baseball this season. They won the East. They're going to the playoffs. And I couldn't care less. And you and I talked about this on chat last a little bit last week. But I talked about it more kind of in the last week to my friends and family. The Atlanta sports curse. And I know I've covered it on this podcast before, but in case you're unindoctrinated, welcome to my hell. In 1996, Atlanta got the Olympic Games. As used as you get the Olympic Games, it got the 100th Olympic Games, marred by a bombing. You may remember that. Now, you may ask yourself, today in 2020, Atlanta as a centennial doesn't make a whole bunch of sense, but whatever. In 1996, this town was not Atlanta. The jewel of the South. It was still that, but it wasn't that. Go look at population numbers in Atlanta
2: pre and post-96. I'll take some time. Go ahead, Google it. Just pause the podcast. It's fine. Welcome back. Okay. Something happened to cause Atlanta to get this Olympics. It changed the world. It changed Atlanta
0: forever. The trajectory of the city has never been altered more uh, dramatically by one event. That being said, it cost us everything. It felt like the end of fucking Infinity War. Hmm. In 1996, the Braves were five outs from taking a 3-1 lead in the World Series before Mark Waller's Mark Waller's excuse me, 2-2 pitch was sent over the left field wall by the Yankees. They lost four in a row to give the Yankees their 23rd World Series title. 99, best team in the NL by a country fucking mile, got swept by the Yankees in the World Series. They were up 6-0 in Game 4 and still fucking lost. <laughs> that same year. 1999. The Falcons lost Super Bowl 33, 34-19 to the Denver fucking Broncos, who had, at their starting running back position, Terrell Davis, who went to University of Georgia. Eugene Robinson, the safety, was arrested the night before the game for solicitation of a prostitute. Not noteworthy, you may say. Oh, it's noteworthy because before that day, earlier that day, he'd won the Bart Starr Award, given to the NFL player who best exemplifies outstanding character and leadership
2: in the home, field, and in the community. Oh yeah, to celebrate. The entire existence of the Atlanta Thrashers.
0: My godfather, whose name I will tell you off air because you know it, um, invited me and my father into his booth to watch the Falcons play the Ravens the day
2: before I left for college, to, for New York, Columbia University to play college football. That was the preseason game where Michael Vick broke his leg. Later in that tenure, Michael Vick would be arrested for Dog fighting. Dog fighting. the infield fly rule in 2012, the 2012 NFC Championship game, the 2012 SEC Championship game.
0: The Atlanta Dreams, who've been to three WNBA finals, have been swept each time in 2010, 2011, and 2013. 2014, 2015, the Hawks made the Eastern Conference finals, and they had five starters selected the All-Star game. They were then swept by LeBron James
2: in the finals, either because LeBron James is LeBron James, or because Dabo Seth had his leg broken by the fucking New York Police Department. By Petrino, left the Atlanta Falcons organization with a 78-word letter left in the lockers of all of his players, and that's before 28 to three. <laughs> Don't stifle it. Laugh. I'm it's to be mocked.
1: I'm not. I'm not native. I'm so far away from the region. It's not my place to um, have a belly
0: laugh.
2: I didn't even go into all the Georgia shit. That's just Atlanta, not surrounding municipalities. If you're inclined to hear for Tech, Tech hired an option
0: football coach in the the, the, the 21st goddamn century. <laughs> and now, after firing that coach five years too late, they can't figure out why it's going to take seven years to turn their program around because even recruiting the scraps of other players. Oh, You know what? The Atlanta Crives is real. I don't care what the Hawks, the, Hawk, the break pick a team. I don't care what the Braves record is going in the playoffs. They will disappoint. I wish that someone like Ronald Acuna Jr., who's hitting home runs and is a legitimate star for this league, would be on a team that would probably show against his talents. But the plantation system that's always been in place for the Braves continues to exist. When you think of the Braves in the 90s, who do you think of? That white-ass pitching staff. Who don't you think of? Fred McGriff, David Justice, you know why? Terry Pendleton, you know why? Because use him and lose him. That, prof- that was the prospect with all the position players. Pitchers, make them count. And to be fair, those are some pitches to build around. I'm not going to deny that. But you
2: could have paid the bats too. You chose not to. It's blocked out what happened.
1: I mean, you were talking about how the Yankees beat the Braves several times. Oh, thank you.
0: I don't think it's what I'm talking about, but I do appreciate you stabbing what me in the throat that like that. That. I was, that was nice. That was, I
1: you were the, the point of your, you mm-hmm,
0: your That was the point. Um. I don't want to give this guy any oxygen, but I have to talk about him because he keeps talking about everything else. And because it's getting a little weird, not weird, not a little weird, a lot of weird. Colby Covington, MAGA, MAGA Ken, UFC um, fighter, keeps talking. And he keeps saying things that are, I mean, not potentially, not, not kind of insanely inflammatory and racist. And it's weird to watch it be covered because people are covering it because it's technically news because he is talking and he's calling people out by name. But no one knows who Colby Covington is outside of this shit. And Dana White, speaker of the RNC,
2: friend of old Trumpito, has said we won't muzzle anyone. Aaron, when they told us to stick to sports, they told the world to stick to sports, and ESPN had that internal memo leaked
0: and no one wants to hear about politics and sports. Have you heard that same crowd speaking out against Colby Covington?
1: Well no, well, that's not well well his, his racism isn't political,
0: you see that's oh, just, uh, but the thing is it is because he's not just racist he's actually like quoting donald j trump right he's, like in any other in any other environment, I would hope there'd be room for people to say this is just racist, and I hope that maybe maybe not hope i I would like to think that people's lack of engagement on why this is wrong is because he 's expressly quoting the leader of the most racist party in America. Not not the most racist party, but top five
2: in American history. And I would like to think that. But more and more I'm digging that the UFC crowd's just kinda nodding.
1: Oh yeah. Um funny thing about this is uh I don't follow UFC. I tr- I tried. You you don't point. As soon as I peeked in, I was like, oh shit. And then I had to leave, like I had just I had a friend who would have everybody to watch fights every weekend, so I would go visit her house and everything we watch hang out and then I started to dig and I was like, oh
0: no, never did
1: they they, they let races cook here, oh yeah. and then she yeah. had to stop watching
0: and she see for me for, for 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 me UFC is what if pro wrestling was always poorly booked because you can't pick the winners, so you end up with guys like d j Demetrius Johnson who' are having to leave because he's not knowing how to be There's only one way they can sell a fighter in the UFC. They don't have to sell anything else. And it's, uh, yeah, just watch pro wrestling. Honestly, I think it's more fulfilling. It's slightly less racist, um, but slightly. Um, today the SEC kicks off. We're recording this on Saturday, September 26th, 10:30 in the morning, Eastern Eastern Standard Time, and I'm going to be openly avoiding college football for the first time in my life. And last time we talked and we're going to do this again just for the audience cuz I mean I mean I'm glad we talked about it but you asked me about college football and why the south is so crazy about it you couldn't relate cuz you're from New York and how could you relate
2: all we you have is Columbia have. and Fordham
0: shout out
1: we don't have man our college, our college sports scene watch is, it. is watch it is, it, it new, listen new york college sports scene is shot it is yeah, we don't we don't we don't. We don't have the space. We don't. Like, I'm from the city. Maybe if you're up in, if, if you're up in like Rochester, you might have something brewing there. I'm from the five boroughs. We don't have shit. We don't. We had the yeah. LIU um, made the NCA tournament when I was a child. That was the. It, we had St. John's. St. John's for. L- other,
0: yeah, the Red right And
1: yeah. they were up in Queens. And in Brooklyn, LIU had made the NCA tournament on the back of like Charles Jones twenty some yeah. odd years ago. And that was the peak of um, Brooklyn collegiate sports excellence in my entire life. And probably until I'm dead. I think that was it.
0: I don't know how. Fordham, it was, had, like, Fordham had won a squad in the Bronx for like the mid 2010s. But yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. It's not pretty. I, I know what it is. It's fine. But the reason that I, I that college football is so big in the South is because for years, they wouldn't give the Southern states pro teams. Call it racism because we know who lives in these states. Call it classism. Call it just whatever you want to call it. They didn't do it. Think about the Falcons. I, I'm a Falcons fan. Falcons started in '66. It's a relatively young team. Not as young as like the Jaguars and the Panthers, which I don't know why we're still expanding. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's regional, regional animal here. Um. It's always super interesting to me because I think the Saints are 67, 68. And so, generationally, the ties that you guys have to, like, the Mets and the Yankees, we don't have that. All we've got is all we've got is these tiny towns, these dots on the map. They wouldn't be dots if there wasn't the a school there. I wouldn't know where Athens, Georgia was if I hadn't been there just to watch football and
2: get rapportously drunk in their glorious bars. I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know where Tuscaloosa is. Thank God.
1: I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That is how that is how my introduction to um southern geography was. Full stop. Yeah,
0: it's the stars and then the football
2: dots. That's the South. That's what this is what we offer as a region, I'm like textiles and shit like that. And for so long, so much of these not just
0: tiny cities, tiny towns, but Entire region's passion and love and identification was to excellence on the gridiron. And you say, oh, historically, look, at the not that much excellence. Great.
2: Talk to me post segregation. Post segregation. Things changed. Because the town could stay home. If you're from Atlanta, you can go to Athens. You can go to Gainesville and be a 10 hour drive from mom at all times, Clemson. And so when a school
0: like Oklahoma says, we've got to invest in the school to re Establish the passion of Oklahomans post-dust bowl we've got to invest in this football thing so there's something to be proud of when i look at go look at lsu's books they are literally propped up by the louisiana state government they operate at a loss every year and the government's like "Mm, what
2: if we just cut you a big ass to keep that tiger stadium full go tiger they do it and they're doing it in the midst of so university of houston has scheduled three openers this year. They have yet to play a fucking football game. Wait, what? COVID. Oh, man. Breakouts for them, other teams. They have not taken the field. The Big Ten
0: says they're coming back. Everyone's super excited, which, by the way, we've been making fun of the Big Ten in college football for legitimately 20 years. You're going to get hyped for Illinois Northwestern?
2: (laughs) Bullshit. And who are the teams clamoring in that conference to come back? Ohio State. Makes sense. Nebraska. The fuck year you think this is, Nebraska? Is it 1997?
0: Y'all run the speed option? No. Then why the fuck do you want to play? So you can win four
2: games in a season where it might be acceptable? Because four and seven is about what Nebraska's done since I've turned second so drive. frost look ucf aaron i'm just gonna this is is
0: a departure just for aaron guys if you guys know this fast forward ahead i won't be mad. ucf is one of those schools that popped up in florida in the last 10 years of college football the reason it popped up is because as the big florida schools got good they could no longer accept all the kids who wanted to go there so your directional schools your ucfs your um ecu's Your uh, FAUs, those schools were able to build a larger student body, which in then return related into a larger alumni base. And when you're an alumni and you want your school to be noteworthy, what do you do? You give money to the athletic programs. That's why those football teams have popped up out of nowhere in the last 5, 10 years. Scott Frost had a thing at UCF. Because if you were too slow to go play at Florida or a little too short to play at Miami, guess where you're headed? UC fucking F. Scott Frost said, you know what? I've gotten a lot of success here. Should I probably listen to a big, smart conference job? No. I should go to fucking Nebraska where I played in 1997 and where that was the thing to do in 1997. Aaron, how much talent do you think is in Nebraska? The
1: university or the, the?
0: The state. In-state. So when you look at college football jobs, the first thing you look at is in-state recruiting. How can you recruit? How will your easiest talent acquisitions go? In 1997, Nebraska was a national brand. You'd go to L.A., throw some rings on the table and say, come on, baby, Nebraska, and the kid would come. That's not happening now. Everyone's on TV all the time. Right. Nebraska is just a cold place that hasn't been good at football the entirety of these children's lives. <laughs> and now Scott Frost is winning four games a year and looking around and wondering if they're going to fire him because they fired the last guy for being four, winning four games a year. I also hated that guy, Bo Pelini, legendary asshole. So when I tell you that Nebraska being one of the frontrunners of demanding the Big Ten come back is legitimately the funniest goddamn thing I've seen this entire year, that's what I mean. The fact that the Pac-12 coming voted to come back on Thursday, the Pac-12, who was the last holdout because why? Not because they cared about the players, because the players – organized because the players said here are the things we want to see before we get on the field and they also
2: said here are the, the reasons why the racist distribution of the money generated it's harmful to our players. Hmm. And they
0: folded. And I'm not this is I want to make something very clear. Nothing I am saying is excoriating the children.
2: I am proud of them for fighting I am proud of them for having
0: the knowledge and presence of mind and the voice and the unity to spell out their demands. I understand why they want to play. I understand why they folded. The thing that makes me sad is that
2: whatever comes out of this weird zombie season, they will never be allowed to organize again. Hmm. The NCAA doesn't do much. But one thing they're very good at is denying rights to children. Hmm. And this will not go unanswered.
0: And that's why I'm scared for them. I'm glad. And the thing is, intellectually, and even on like a very human personal level, I get wanting to play. I get knowing that the last time you lay some up is the last time you lay some. Up. Even the kids who know they're not going pro. Bro, when I played my last
2: game, I knew I wasn't going fucking pro. But I wasn't in a rush to take them pads off. I knew I'd never play football again. Hmm. But I
0: knew it. And for a lot of these seniors and upperclassmen, is being taken from them and they didn't know it? They say, well, they're gonna get the eligibility back. Who's gonna put their life on hold for maybe another year just to be in college just to play football? Like there's a lot of things, there's a lot of the the easy answers that people
2: are showing aren't that fucking easy. And so I can understand it and still be sad by it.
0: I can respect it and still be sad by it. I can wish that things have broken a different way and know that they may never have the opportunity again to break this way for these kids. Because yeah, they wanna play and I get them wanting to play. Nothing has changed, making it a good idea, and we'll see. Because this, oh, the uh, Pac-12 said they're going to play seven games a, 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 a team, for seven straight weeks. They don't play seven straight weeks in the NFL. Everyone gets a like. Those motherfuckers get paid for this shit. Like what? There's a lot of problems here, but me bitching about it's not going to change anything. But maybe it could change one thing because Dion Sanders announced he was going to Jackson State. For those who know what Jackson State is, I understand maybe you're just not inoculated. Maybe you're a white person who found this podcast. And first of all, God bless you and welcome on board. Second of all, Jackson State is a traditionally, historically black college and university in Mississippi. And Deion Sanders announced that on his podcast hosted by Barstool Sports, if you want to just, if you want to trace the scam through this whole fucking thing, he announced to be taking being the new head coach at Jackson State. He said that God called him to Jackson State on the first episode of his 21st in prime podcast hosted by, again, Barstool Sports. I'm not on its face saying it's a – okay, I am. It's a bad thing. And people are going to say, oh, well, you know, he's going to bring more eyeballs to Jackson State. When? In a season that's already been canceled? Do you think Deion Sanders is going to – not just living rooms but to those living rooms to recruit players because make no mistake there will be no large spat of four and five star athletes clamoring to play at jackson state because there are institutional hurdles in place that deion sanders ain't about to help them overcome they're not getting better facilities to deon Sanders. maybe dave portnoy will cut a check hey barcel sports at el presidente i know a place you could send some of that money you keep losing gambling and day trading But this is why I think this is not about Dion San, or not about, excuse me,
2: the kids of Jackson City. In my opinion, and prove me wrong, Neon Dion. I think it's about Dion.
0: dion has been open about wanting to have a big-time college job, and he's going into this job, helping to get that job. That's not what happens in HBCUs. You don't make the leap to major college
2: football. It just doesn't happen. The one case I could think of, he broke a lot of laws to do it, and he was a white guy. For Jackson State, I get I get why they agree to this. I just, I, I'm concerned. Because
0: I think you and I, have, I told you about the Prime Prep Academy, right? No. Oh, oh. Well, for Aaron and for those who don't know,
2: a few years ago, Deion Sanders started a grouping of charter schools in Texas. 2012. Prime Prep Academy. Initial enrollment was more than 1,100
0: students. They had campuses in Oak Cliff, Dallas, and Fort Worth. The establishment was the goal to give every child a free laptop. In 2014, Ron Price, the superintendent of the schools, turned over documents to the school district office alleging that hundreds of laptops had been stolen from Prime Prep. He gave the information to the FBI. The school was closed January 30, 2015 due to financial insolvency.
2: I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened here. I would say please Google this.
0: In 2013, Dion Sanders pressured co-founder D.L. Wallace, a local minister out of leadership of the schools, over accusations of fraud and assault. Then Dion was fired from the head coach position. Dion
2: Sanders was fired from the head coach position. Dion Sanders was fired from the head coach position at Prime Prep Academy. They never followed established policies. They were constantly in
0: local news for failing to do anything. The lowest performing elementary school in North Texas. In July 2014, it was announced the Texas Education Agency was going to revoke the school's
2: charter with the, for inconsistencies with not schooling, but with the national school lunch program. Yeah. Deion Sanders being involved in any foreign
0: education is always gonna look like a scam. And him addressing these allegations by saying, This is not for me, this is God's plan, is the calling card of any good scammer.
1: Oh, he's worse than oh oh he's worse than Isaiah Thomas, my god. Oh, oh.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's
1: it's, it's like, I did not. I remember hearing about the Prime Prep Academy. It's and then so
0: irresponsible I'll, the way I've watched this cover this week. Is I'm like, guys, has anyone even Googled Deion Sanders and Prime Prep Academy? Because you would not be asking him the questions you are if you had.
1: I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, just he did make an entire career out of being a cornerback who doesn't tackle, but that's neither here nor there. There's a little bit of salesmanship. Sometimes what you
0: do is who you are.
1: Right, it's like that. He he he's he's a salesman. He's he's a talented guy, obviously, but he's um also a salesman.
0: Of what? And I'm not excoriating everyone. You can put your name on some shit and have it be good. Jalen Rose Prep Academies. What he's done in Detroit is fucking amazing. Right. But he didn't name it the Dion the the Dion Sanders School. He named it Prime Prep Academy.
2: That should tell you everything you need to know. I feel like the name of the school informs everything. Away from college football because it's gonna make me sadder. Talk about the NFL, which somehow made me sadder.
0: Did you see this shit about Tyrod Taylor?
1: You mean where the um where the racist doctor stabbed him in the lung?
0: I'm assuming racist as well. Um, for those who don't know, first of all, weird. Second of all, Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback for these L.A. Chargers. I'm always gonna call him San Diego Chargers. Just moved back. Um, the L.A. Chargers. He was did not start the second game of the season because of an unspecified chess injury that occurred during the pregame. A lot of questions got asked. Didn't really matter. Justin Herbert, late of Oregon, went up there, played very well, took um, Patrick Mahomey to overtime where a Westminster alumni, uh, Harrison Buckner, kicked the field goal to win the game, kicked it three times. I'll always mention Harrison Buckner's name because, again, went to my high school. And two, was at a Columbia-Harvard game. I want to say 2012. I was living in Philly. I'd gone up to watch Columbia play Harvard. And he's walking around in our letter jacket. And so I'm like, hey, man, do you go to Westminster? He taught, we talked for a while. He says, I'm thinking about going to Columbia. I looked him in the eye and said, look, go to the place where you're going to feel most comfortable. Go to the place where, you know, you're going to be most excited to be there days you're not playing football because it's not always going to be like this. I'm not saying he took my advice and went to Georgia Tech. I am saying he did go to Georgia Tech. He now kicks for the best team in the league,
2: and he might owe me 10%. <laughs> I saved his life. Clearly. If he kicks at Columbia, what? Who knows what Patrick Mahomes' record would be right now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like 14%, but that's not a here, no.
0: I Look, if you want to round up, let's round up. I was trying to be like, I was trying to keep it cool. Cope cool
1: You got it. You got. It. You got too many facts, and I drive a hard bargain.
0: Like, his dad remembers my ass. I talked to him for 20 minutes.
2: <laughs> I may or may not have said, "Don't go to Columbia. If you want to play football, don't go to Columbia." I may or may not have said that shit. I'll tell you this: someone owes me a check. But Justin Herbert, sorry, got caught my own shit. Justin Herbert came out, balled out, took the reigning MVP to
0: overtime. It comes out this week that the reason Tyrod Taylor did not play is not an injury occurred. And I hate yo know, being able to call it an injury is the the jig is all the way up there because he didn't pull in something, getting stretching. He didn't get he tear something in a workout. He was getting a shot for bruised ribs or cracked ribs, which first and foremost, who's hitting your quarterback in practice? (laughs) Maybe it didn't work. Maybe it's a week one injury. I don't know. But the doctor missing the shot, mis aimed the needle. I think that's the best way to put
2: it, and hit this motherfucker in the lung, (laughs) Aaron. We had 10 starting black quarterbacks in week 1. I feel like they heard
0: that segment of the podcast. They're
1: I like,
0: fuck your dreams.
1: I don't care what anyone says is racially <laughs> motivated. the same way I played, um I once saw a video that explained that um Giannis um Attentacupo could shoot coming into the NBA. Picture perfect form jumper. Did you know that he could shoot? I'd heard such things, yes. He could shoot form and he was coached out of it. By who I assume is a racist coach. I assume that these are microaggressions against black okay. people.
0: So 100%. the reason he can't shoot anymore is because his first coach was, drum roll please, Jason Kidd. Oh, Jason. Kidd. I feel like that answers all your questions. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to. I like Jason Kidd. I don't want to blame Jason. Kidd. I recognize you like Jason Kidd, but it's also like you know what? The reason that you can't shoot.
1: I, it, it had to be a shooting coach I don't want to blame because Jason Kidd was the one that was like run point so I can you can't be like J- the thing about Jason Kidd is Jason Kidd is not a minutia. I don't believe it's Jason Kidd because Jason Kidd's no. an idiot he's a, he's yes. a, he's not a, he's not a he's not a macro guy he will he is a he is um he is uh he, 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 he does not he does not think about the details there is no way I'd like to blame whoever the shooter there was like one or two shooting coaches there. <laughs> And they shoot like a man all
0: i know is that when i was a kid they called him acing kid because he didn't have no j he developed a shot late in life but damn it he always had no shoot motherfucker in my eyes i'll
2: tell you
1: no, that. I, I remember listen i remember, listen. <laughs> I remember. But you're I remember. right. I, i'm just saying it's a it's a micro it's a micro that's all i'm saying i think i don't care what that guy says that person was fucking around and stabbed one of our black quarterbacks in the lung which i don't even understand how that even works
0: and what's what's wild to me is we might get a new one because I keep forgetting that Jameis Winston is behind Drew Brees. I'm not saying Drew Brees is bad, but I am saying Michael Thomas has never seen a ball travel 10 yards.
1: Um, uh, my problem, I think we do we're doing this thing with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And we're just like, it looks more ridiculous because all the electric quarterbacks that do all the electric quarterback shit are all black now. Yeah.
0: yeah but black,
1: good huh? God, we talk about Drew Brees and Tom Brady so much. And I'm not even saying they're bad. I'm just saying. I'll say
0: I'll say Brees is bad. I'll say that.
1: They're just regular quarterbacks.
0: They're now. not. OK, Drew so Brees, this is where Drew the Brees, problem is. They're Brees, sub-regular quarterbacks.
1: I actually don't disagree with that. I don't think I don't understand. I'll say this. The fact that they're white allows them to not be able to run or throw. Yes. And and now, it's one thing about it. Even every quarterback now, all black quarterbacks, all the best quarterbacks, they run and throw. Even Mahomes, he's known for his arm, but he's shifting. He runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone runs. Uh, we, we, our obsession with the white quarterback means that we're, allowed, we're now obsessing with two 50-year-old quarterbacks that cannot throw the ball farther than 10 yards. You cannot I, run. I
0: hate, I hate what you just did because now I've got to defend fucking Drew Brees. The obsession, the whiteness is part of it. The other part of it is like these guys who've seen fucking everything, so they're able to, even with their physical limitations, are able to make decisions. At the speed with which, like, softens that, that that edge. It's not as it's not as blade, It's not as bad. The
1: thing is, I love. I like watching old quarterbacks work personally because you see it. The fact that Drew Brees is throwing passes so early out of guys' breaks and they're turning around the balls on them because he cannot just whip the ball around like Mahomes, make a decision, right. to put the 60 yards when downfield. He
0: was playing on Monday night and they're playing at NTS Stadium. You could hear him forcing those five yard balls. I was like, oh no. Zero of his passes travel more than five yards in the air on Monday. Right. Zero.
2: Right. Zero. And
0: imagine, imagine Michael Thomas's look on Michael Thomas' face if he lets if they let James Winston throw him a fucking fade. I'm not saying James Winston's the answer. I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that little boy that he had sixty million dollars is the answer. Good lord. What's that what? fucking boy's name?
1: Uh which one? The, the
0: the 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 third stringer in fucking uh New Orleans. Uh
1: the um, the, the, the Comacom- one they stick everywhere. Oh Tyson Tyson. Ty-
0: oh my god. Yeah. They gave him sixteen million dollars a year came out here on the veterans minimum. minimum. Taysom Hill. They gave that motherfucker 16 a year to play four games and play four downs a game. He is the highest paid kicker in the NFL. They're like, oh, Taysom Hill can do everything. You play up back, you play tight end, you can, hey man, but you're paying him to be a quarterback. The one thing he can't fucking do. You know how I know he can't do it? You made Jameis the number two.
1: In fairness, um, in fairness, the Tim Tebow vision lives in Tyson this Hill. Shit. Like, Tim, Tim Tebow is terrible at all facets of football. Tyson Hill, in his defense, is not for his four plays of the game. He is electric.
0: I'm not gonna, no, I'm not gonna, no, I refuse to acknowledge yeah, that. He, he but you there, there are electric white boys out there. There are electric yeah. white boys out there who can throw and run, and you've got one in the center. How does it feel to have hope? Because as a Falcons fan, as a Falcons fan, I need something to prove that this doesn't have to be this way. The Falcons have all the pieces, motherfucker, every fucking piece. And I've got Gert Cutter, who I hate professionally. I think he is a very bad offensive coordinator. He's proven me wrong the last two games, but I don't think it's going to fucking last. He's out here carrying water for Mike Smith. and this. I'm now flashing back to an old coach, excuse me, Dan Quinn, and his fucking... Roster of malcontent co- coaches who don't know how to coach a fucking onside kick, and I got the officer coordinator saying it's not their fucking fault. He scored forty nine. Fuck. Mm. He scored thirty nine points.
1: That's a it's a coaching fail when you um, score forty nine points. And it's an, a an,
0: point an, point. and it's an organizational fail when the offensive coordinator who did his fucking job is covering for everyone else. Right. When the owner says there was a miscommunication, and then the head coach pushes
2: back on the owner in public. You should be glad your key card works. Looks I mean, like, was,
1: that like? Um, I'm a Bengals fan.
0: Yeah, but you've got a, like, like Matt Ryan is very good. Like, I'm not this is not a Matt Ryan complaint corner. Those, go find another podcast. Sorry, kid. I watch the ball. I know what the fuck I'm watching. He's very good at this. Right. You've got Joe Burrow. You've got, you've got hope in a way I don't have hope. Like, I've seen the best in that ride. I feel
1: like... You've got like... a
0: Joe Burrow who every week shows me something that I'm like, I didn't think that shit would translate. And then I watch him peel off a 20-yard run I'm like, it translates. Or I'm like, oh, he that arm won't, that arm, the, the the gaps will be too small in the NFL. Nope, he's making the throws. Like, the, um... I hate you. And I never thought I'd be... I'm jealous of Bengals. I never thought I'd be here in my life. That's how bad it's gotten in Atlanta.
1: The problem the problem when people say, cause I've heard people say that. And the thing about the Bengals is they run their team in a unique way. It's almost like someone's watching a funny YouTube tutorial about managing an NFL team. The Bengals do this thing where they will sign, they will have, like say if the Bengals have a talented um, defensive line across the board, they will sign one player and let other three go without attempting to resign them. If they have a talent, you
0: guys have held Geno Atkins hostage for years. Right.
1: And we refused to, we said that we did not sign anyone around him. We let everyone around him go without attempting to sign them and then sign him to a max deal. We in in your
0: defense, it seems like he's drawn. I watched, so Gino's a bulldog, obviously. Right. So I watch him with a special level of care and concern. I'm always, I, I, I'm very, very defensive of bulldogs in the NFL. And right. Gino's one of the ones where I'm like, he has no help, but he might not need it. <laughs> like, I feel like if there was one more guy on the defense in the front, we talk about him the same way we talk about um, Aaron
2: Donald.
1: The, um, we would, um, but the Bengals do this thing where they will have a talented position group. They will have t- a talented group, um, and they will then sign one player from that group and then let the other players go, completely ruining the dynamic of the group. And they'll do this every season. Remember, um, remember Marvin Jones? Yeah. He plays for the Lions now? Yeah. Remember how I don't know. I don't I really cannot understand how good he looked next to A.J. Green. He's
0: uh, to a, I look great next to A.J. Green.
1: Right. But he looked uniquely great to, next to A.J. Green. And they let him go. For the record, they didn't try to resign him when he wound up on the Lions. They didn't try to resign him. They let him go. They let him walk. That's what the Bengals do. They'll sign one wide receiver to a lot of money and then won't try to sign. The other receiver, they're not going to try and like have two contracts or try to keep the offense together. They sign one one good player and then use whatever they give in the draft to to support that player. Is so your
0: GM also Thomas Dimitrov? What? I feel like I'm hearing a lot of Atlanta things coming out of what you're saying right now.
1: It's, I would like the Bengals don't keep teams together. Um, the Bengals don't. The Bengals are a very strange franchise. We don't try to maintain continuity. We sign one grid we we keep one great player, and then we do not build around that player. We just try to draft around that player, which means that every year is a crapshoot. Which is why that five years, that five year window, where we it was the greatest Bengals team of all time, by the way, that five year window that closed, yes. like, it's a close, like a closed like the season before last. Well, we just got lucky in the draft. But we've been doing it. We we lowball everyone on the team. We pick one guy. Him money. Don't attempt to sign any other players and roll a dice with the draft. That's not how you do football. So, yes, no. It's, I appreciate you. We're not going, Joe Burrows is not going to have an offensive line unless we get lucky. He's only going to have one receiver unless AJ Green walks. And if he gets another receiver, we're going to have that one receiver. I, 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 there's no, there is I was, no. I was, trying, I
0: was trying to be helpful, man. I didn't realize. I'm, there's no,
1: there's the way the Bengals operate is unique to the Bengals, and it means that there will be no hope, even in our brightest shining moment. There was a period of time. There were three seasons mm-hmm. where the Bengals were the top four talented, talented teams in the NFL, and you wouldn't know it because they the
0: Bengals. That was that was Marvin Lewis. I thought that's a whole other. I think that's a longer, sadder discussion about they, Marvin Lewis.
1: They right. They kept. Some things they kept. They, they we doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down on Marvin Lewis. <laughs> the Bengals are we will. The Bengals will never. Ha- I'll say this: the Bengals will never have hope like they have had before. So, like I said, Marvin
0: the Falcons. The photos of someone.
2: Documents. Right.
1: The uh the Falcons will be better than the Bengals in the long run.
0: But they'll never yeah. actually 28 to three. I'll tell you that right now. That'll
1: never happen. Um, Uh, that was bad. I won't lie to you. That was that was. I don't. I don't even make fun because I'm a Warriors fan, and we blew that three-one lead to LeBron's team. So I don't. So I understand. So, but that was that was bad. But still, the Falcons have higher upside than the Bengals. They absolutely do. Just because how your team is managed. Your ownership is aggressive, too aggressive, but they are aggressive. <laughs> the Bengals are literally trying to cut a profit, and when your ownership group is trying to cut a profit, that ain't all. <laughs>
0: um, I was going to talk about Thursday night football, but I didn't watch it. I do want to say that um, Gardner Minshew's future is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the fact that no one noticed that Bill Belichick somehow kept Ryan Fitzpatrick in the AFC East for like twenty years is his greatest con of all time. Um. NBA, before getting to the games and the conference finals, Jalen Rose got thrown in the commercial for yelling, it's a great day to arrest the cops who um, murdered Breonna Taylor. You don't know. That one's a real one. Um, Breonna Taylor's murders were not held to account um, legally this week. And it's been very interesting to watch on macro level because if you look at kind of what's going on in the NBA. The agreement in late August between the NBA and the Players Association was an establishment of a social justice coalition, including players, coaches, governors, directed advertising spots during each playoff game, which we have seen, promoting greater civic awareness on national and local elections and raising awareness around voter access and opportunity in the conversion of arenas into polling places, including but not limited to some individuals. I know Paul Millsap has turned his academy here in Atlanta into a uh, early voting center um, on his own all of it's very cool, all of it's very strong, but you can't talk about that without talking about the ownership, because the players are loud, the players are outspoken, the players are utilizing their voices to magnify the people doing the actual physical work, I commend them for that. Since the election cycle started in 2019, according to The Ringer, 80.9% 80.9% of political donations from owners have gone to Republicans, while 18.4% have gone to Democrats. The um, remaining percentage has gone to bipartisan causes. Hmm. The FEC shows that five NBA owners have contributed directly to Donald Trump: Los Angeles Lakers Jim Buss, Orlando Magic's Dan DeVos, uh, New York Knicks James Owen, Houston Rockets Tim Fertita, and San Antonio Spurs Juliana Holt. The DeVos name in the middle is that DeVos. Yep, that DeVos exactly. Um, on the other side, people giving exclusively to Democrats, Wes Edens and Mark Lossary, Mark Lansry, owners of the Bucks, the Washington Wizards owner, Ted Leonsis, um, Sacramento Kings owner, Vivek Renadive, Boston Celtics owner, Wyke Grossbach, and the Lakers' Genie bus have direct, donated directly to Democrats and solely to Democrats. It is not crazy that Labor would be doing one thing and ownership be doing another. I think it's being... Highly magnified because we want to talk shit about the NBA, but I would invite you to investigate any business, particularly the sports businesses, and see how it's uh, working in that sense as well. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say about that because it just gets messy and gets ugly and we both probably get pretty angry about that. So let's say something that makes us happy. Well, not you as happy as it makes me because
2: yes, – I, mean, I
1: mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know the Kings owner it was uh was pro Democrat. I appreciate that guy. I get
0: right. <laughs> it's always nice. That's and yeah, that's the takeaway yeah. we can get from the story. Hey, I can cheer for the Kings. That's amazing. I say because Kings
1: basketball is actual affordable basketball in the Bay Area.
0: Oh yeah, because they have pressure. all be fuck out with the uh,
1: the Warriors. Nah, yeah, no, you can't. No,
0: no I mean you you no.
1: no. the arena sort of in a vehicle. You can drive by it. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> you
0: are <you're> kind of close. <laughs> you show up at W two.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, let's start with the Western Conference because that's the game that's going to play tonight. The Lakers are currently up 3-1. And while I don't think that this is a clipper situation where you could blow a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, I'm not sleeping on these Nuggets because they have shown enough heart and fortitude to push through. I'll tell you what I did like about Game 4. Dwight Howard had more second quick chance points in the first quarter than the uh, clipper, uh, than the Nuggets Excuse me, had all game. Not recipe for success. And then when LeBron James grabbed Murray at the end, I was terrified he grabbed because him. it reminds you that in year 17, this man can still tell you, I'm not going to score anymore. And the my favorite part about this is that they're pulling the old Phil Jackson because going into game four, they were like, you know, we probably should get more calls from the refs. And the refs, when you say that to the league, when you petition the league for increased calls, the league has an opportunity, has a responsibility to inform the other team. I didn't look at free zone disparity. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to vary that much game to game. They've made decisions going into the series. Everybody want them Lakers. However, now the Nuggets are thinking about it. Now going into game five, you've got Mike Malone not answering questions about his future rebounding and the fact that Jokic can't be around Dwight Howell without fouling him. But he's asking the question about, yeah, we're going to petition for more calls for ourselves. If that's your mentality, if you're even saying that publicly, they've already won the game. The, the whole gambit has succeeded. Now you're worried about why did they get that call and not. Huh? LeBron James just seems to be scoring at will. Huh? Anthony Davidson didn't have a rebound until the first part of the fourth quarter, and they're still killing us on these boards. Huh. I mean, Aaron, pretty- I've enjoyed this series. I think I fear the season will be over after tonight. Do you have any counterpoints? Do you, do you think am I am I completely wrong? Am I off base? Is, am I misreading the Nuggets?
1: The um the thing about the difference between the Clippers and the Lakers is purely LeBron James. LeBron James just simply um knows when to approach the basketball game a different way. Um the Clippers look the Clippers the game got away from the Clippers and because the Clippers um the, their heads of state are Doc Rivers who lets everything <laughs> get away from Kawhi Leonard who is just not that guy and playoff p off George, the game literally got away from them every time and ran off with them. And they could, it happened every time because they didn't have the leadership. The leadership, like I said, comes from Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and stuff. That's <laughs> not an assorted uh, Morris twin. And that's not, that's not a good way to um, hold off an extremely talented team. That's confident in its abilities at all times. Uh, LeBron is a little different. Um, he does have, he has, he, he does not, I don't think the Nuggets can beat him trying to win games um, three times in a row. Just him in particular because of how he paces himself and how he applies himself to the game and empowers other people to apply themselves to the game. Like the fact is, we don't have um, uh, R- Rondo playing his bursts of Rondo, explying his bursts of rondoness without LeBron. And Anthony Davis definitely gets injured this series without, cause a handful of the time and I hate to say this, but Anthony Davis, aside from being injury prone, just tends, he, he had a habit. Like I, I love watching him play, but there are a few times this series playoffs where he would have missed a game if he was playing on the Pelicans still. Yeah, because oh, sprained sure. his ankle, he's gotten this, he's gotten bruised here, nicked here, grabbing his shoulder here, grabbing his chest there, turning his ankle here. He would have missed a game playing for the Pelicans. He's not missing a game playing with LeBron James. He absolutely no. will not. And as a result, he's being kept steady. So there are two whole ass players and con- contributions that they're getting aside from the actual contributions of the best player of all time. Um, I don't think the Nuggets can deal with that level of manipulation three times in a row. They didn't have to. They were playing the Jazz, which is the Jazz, <laughs> and then they played the Clippers, which apparently are the Clippers. They and, will
2: always
0: uh, be the Clippers, and that's the important Always, one.
1: always be, and especially they're going to be the Clippers for the next four or five seasons because they traded all the draft picks, but that's neither here nor there.
0: And the, they uh, can't resign. Really Yo, it is a player option after next year. They can both leave and just leave Doc with, like, here you go, bud. Welcome back. Here's Pat Bev and Lou Williams. See what she gets. <laughs> Two years older, Pat Bev.
2: Oh, Oh, just I the dumbest I timeline.
1: I, mean, I understand Kawhi Leonard had to hold him hostage for Paul George, but then what is Kawhi Leonard seeing? What is everyone doing? What does everyone seeing Paul George? This is a total derailment, but I'm fascinated by how we've been watching a player. Like I mentioned it last time. His entire offense is contested jump shots. It has yes. been since he broke his leg, like you mentioned, yes. but I don't understand how this is a thing. He's not a primary ball handler. He's not a passer. He's not getting to the rim. And you can fuck him up. You can get him off his game relatively easily. And he loses momentum, and then that's it. He is not one of those guys. He's not like a, even like a Jason Tatum in his young age. He doesn't lose momentum. Jason Tatum keeps doing what Jason Tatum does until it starts working out for him, and then he does it more. Paul George can get fucked up yes. by, like, the second quarter and never return to the game.
0: Never recovers.
1: And never recovers.
0: I think it's part is that something that, you know, I kind of taught LeBron for being able to take emotion
2: somewhat out of his decision making. I think Kawhi went through the list of the people on his phone who he liked. Um. I was like, yo,
0: like, I like Paul. We have the same game, and neither one of us can create for anyone else, but let's put him on the same team and see what happens without a point guard. Eastern Conference last night, the the Celtics staved off elimination in a very impressive game, beating the Heat. Uh, Tyler Hero didn't do any heroic shit, but I got to say this. I think that the Heat are the better team. Excuse me. The Celtics are a better team, but that the Heat will play harder. If that makes any sense, like when when the Celtics are going, it's a wrap. Like I think that you can, the Celtics can run the Heat off the floor. The Heat cannot run the Celtics off the floor. If that makes any sense.
1: Um, I think the um, more electric individual talent is on the Celtics, but I think the Heat have a better team, and also they have a better team that plays and that plays the mismatch better. Like mm-hmm. I think. Bam out of bio is what breaks the Celtics because they can't find anyone that they can't find anyone to play against them except, I think, Grant Williams. No one could play against them. And right. I think it's like the teams are even enough with this one critical mismatch. And the only way they can compensate is if, um, like I said, the, the Celtics go up and they scored like 40 points in a quarter yesterday. 41. They scored 40. Yeah, exactly. They so had 17
0: like, in that quarter too.
1: Right. And like, and if you look at the Heat, the Heat didn't play particularly bad. The Celtics just scored 40 and a quarter.
0: Which <laughs> is nothing not, you really do about
2: that. There's
1: nothing you do about that, right? You know what I mean? Like, if you look at the, the Heat played the game the Heat always play, except the Celtics want Supernova. And you can't right. get mad at that until they start manufacturing that over and over again. You really can't. You know, there's nothing the Heat have to change except hope that the Celtics don't score 40 and a quarter again. And, right. if they and I, any- think, I, think,
0: I think it's going to be really interesting because as long as the league gets the Lakers – they can be fine with whatever happens in the East. Because if you get LeBron Heat, let's go. But if you get LeBron Celtics, if you like your Celtics, it's just like the historical matchup. But LeBron Heat still plays because Pat Riley's still pissed. You know that. Right. Jimmy Butler is Patrick Beverly with talent, which is amazing. Right. Because like, if you put that mentality in someone who's good at basketball, you get a top 10 NBA player, and that's what you've got in Jimmy, in, in Jimmy Buckets.
1: Also, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is a top five heel. In oh, the last oh, 10, 15 years oh, of the NBA.
0: Like, I've never like back to got the NWO music. It.
1: Right. Like he is like he has full heel. Like he can come out with the suit and the title under his arm when he wins the title because he is playing it favorite.
0: like a guitar.
1: Right. And he he's I, I I will say I want LeBron to win because he feeds black babies all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but uh, I, I but if the Heat were to win I, actually i don't really mind anyway I, I realize this now I, I really don't care who wins what i um love i like Campbell walker because kemba walker is the last great new york basketball product prospect to get into the nba and be good sure. he's the last one so it's like and so yeah I, I root for kemba and lebron feeds black babies and i want the heat to win because the heat are just so angry at everything
2: <laughs> <laughs> That heat
0: mentality is just fury it's I, just fury and i support it at every length of their endeavor before we get out of here let's talk a little wrestling we lost road warrior hawk this week uh-huh. and this is your reminder that wrestlers wage age weird because when he did his um like return run with Heinrich, i guess in the mid-2000s he was the same age shelton benjamin is right now really yeah he was 44 during that run Shelton Benjamin's 40. oh yeah he is 44 right <laughs> But it's interesting because you and I talk a lot about tag team wrestling. We're both big fans of the art of tag team wrestling. And the Road Warriors are one of those acts that were designed not to break up. And they were designed to continue to be, and that's why they were so, they bounced from company to company because as an anachronism, you were designing tag teams to break them up to build a single star. They came from the territory like, no, we're just the act. We are the LOD slash Road Warriors. Where are you going to book us? Because we're going to work stiff as shit. We're probably gonna be a little lower. You're enhance talent, but you're gonna we're gonna pop the crowd. We're gonna sell some merch. We sell some shitty shoulder pads and call it a
2: day. And no. <laughs> go
1: ahead. I'm not. I'm, I'm. It's a it's a slight aside, but I'm thinking about like legendary like the legendary tag teams and stuff. Legendary wrestlers got over because they worked stiff and didn't put anybody else over on such a legendary amount of time that it's, it's like every of-
0: NWA tag team that ever held the belt. The Steiners the brain busters, the fucking horsemen. Like, if you held the belts in NWA, you hurt someone. You
1: didn't put anybody as over for such an incredible... No, you
0: might put someone over, but in the process, you probably hurt someone on the way up. Like, you you definitely had a doomsday device go wrong, or, <laughs> like, the Steiner screwdriver, which is still the scariest move I've ever seen perform live. Um, for those who don't know what that is, Scott Steiner picks you up in a fucking vertical suplex and then drops you in a tombstone pile driver. It is... So many things can go wrong. Oh, so many things. I remember that move. Oh, dear. It's so bad. Oh, but then you look at like the current world of tag team wrestling, and there's a slight resurgence in this, but by and large, you're designed to get someone over. Even my favorite tag team of all time, which was designed not to do this, ended up doing it because Harlem Heat, at a certain point, Booker T was undeniable.
1: Well, the problem with Stevie Ray was really, truly, well and truly god awful. The disparity in the skill level of that tag team was a monstrous. But that's,
2: that, but that's the but, beauty of the tag team because for so many years, book covered it. Book was the worker, Stevie was the hot tag, Booker was the finish. Um, and
0: then go be a house of fire, and then take a powder on the outside after ta- the last tag.
2: That was the, you the know, formula.
1: You know what it is? Um, I think because, like I said, back in the day, legendary acts won over a lot. So you could go over a lot of guys now. Wrestling is booked a little more evenly. Too evenly. So, right. Um, it could be argued, but what happens now is uh, wrestlers are now when you win, it looks harder to do so. So you, if you have a one man tag team, it looks really, really weird for you to go over on a real tag team. True. Like Harlem Heat in 2020 would look ridiculous going up against even like like Jurassic Express. And winning, yeah, I mean, so you know what I mean? You know. <laughs> but, right. It'd be hilarious watching Booker T. Be, be fucking Jurassic Express by himself, pretty much. Booker <laughs> T. In a
0: handicap what? match versus right. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Right. Book it tomorrow.
1: <laughs> right. So it's like so it it's it's a little different now. We that's why that's why tag teams like breaking up tag teams seems so weird because a successful tag team usually is a coherent unit with both guys getting over now. Right. I don't remember That's the last great. time a tag team was like uh, one person dominating and dominating everyone. What was I Ron mean,
2: and that
0: kid? Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up. That, that, um, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> the tag team titles in WrestleMania? Yeah, it was great. Good for business. I, I, uh, I, AEW had some COVID route breaks this week, and a lot of people were dumping on them, but I'll say this, and I'm going to take the kind of contrarian, because I'm not wanting to defend this company. I've been impressed with how they've handled it. It feels like they got in front of it. It feels like they told their talent stop working fucking indie shows. I don't know. I, am, I, am I completely off base to say like I feel like it went I mean, okay?
1: If you're gonna if you're gonna run a if you're gonna run your business, then you have to keep checking people, and they check everybody constantly, and they found out at the door, and they told them to go back home, and they figured out who did it, and they sent them all home, and they're tending to it, and that's really all you can ask for. Optimally, they would stop everything, but right. since pro wrestling is uh, <laughs> It's suboptimal at its core in terms <laughs> of. Right,
0: definition of frozen, so yes.
1: Right. So um, the fact is, they test everybody out the door, and they find out everything, and they don't fuck around. They're just like, fuck it, we're not, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. This is changing, that's changing, and they're not trying to hide the fact that Lance Armstrong has had got, got tested positive for coronavirus, nothing like that. So it's like they're doing the best they can with the shitty thing that they are um, endeavoring to do. <laughs> If that makes I also sense.
0: heard a cop this week that I can't shake anymore. What? Jeff Jarrett said he was on the same level as Steve Austin at some point. And Jim Ross went off on his podcast. And that started a discussion on how big was Jeff Jarrett ever really. And they're like, oh, he's a good mid-card heel who was able to occasionally bubble up to the main event and couldn't even get over when he owned the company. Oh, shit. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, he's Cody. No. I know. I know he's not. But I'm just saying that there is a trajectory for, for, for Jeff, for Cody, that looks a lot like Jeff Jarrett. The thing
1: about Jeff Jarrett he's is taking Jeff
0: Jarrett. Him, Cody's taking himself out of the title picture so that you will claim it from him being in the title picture. Otherwise, you would say, why is in the title picture? Like, he... I'm not saying I'm not calling him Jeff Jarrett. My opinion he, on Jeff Jarrett is very well documented. Fuck that shyster.
2: He, this, um,
0: however, is interesting.
1: His 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 career his career is um uh, paragon Ric Flair like if he was, if Ric okay. Flair was a character in Mass Effect and okay. somebody made good choices,
2: all right, paragon Ric Flair. That's fair. Yeah. Or my only pushback is fair I never owned the territory. <laughs> he was always a worker.
0: Like I, from stories I've heard, even when he was asked to book things, he was a little reluctant. He's like, look, it's a lot easier for me politically if you just don't ask me what to do.
1: I mean, he's not wrong.
0: And Cody is – someone called him Cody the Mid-Card Nightmare, and I could not stop laughing.
1: I mean, they're also – I mean –
0: I didn't say they were wrong. I just said I couldn't stop
1: laughing. (laughs) I mean, he does – he's – oh, go on.
0: Go ahead. Finish up.
1: No, I was gonna say he does he does juice the mid card though, but yes, it is oh. it is weird. It is weird looking at if he's going to just hover around the mid card like he's it's said,
0: weirder like- that Brody Lee squashed him, but he could barely get over Dustin and or Orange Cassidy. It's almost like it's booked poorly. And also, if it wasn't Cody and if it wasn't on if it wasn't advertised at the back end of AEW, wouldn't I treat his television show the way I treat the Miz hosting wipeout?
1: <laughs> yes. Right? Right.
0: All right, let's go to WWE, the big dog. They've got a, an event coming up tonight when you will listening this, hopefully, or maybe it's already happened. Clash of Champions. That's tomorrow. Oh, no, but I'm putting it out tomorrow. See, that's, this is podcast magic, so I'm putting it out Sunday morning. Oh, it's today. Let's go. It's <laughs> so, all today. We've got um, Clash of Champions, every time I was on the line in the, business, in the company and the top two brands. We'll start with a pre-show, which tells you probably how it's going to go. Oscar versus Lena Vega. Well, I'm thinking Oscar. I'll say this. The MVP of quarantine might be Zelina Vega.
1: Um, Yes, she's definitely. I, I, I love me some Zelina, Zelina Vega. I will freely admit that. Why are they on the pre-show, though? Why is Oscar ever going to be on the pre-show?
0: I think because it's, it's a loaded. Like I said that, too, when I looked at the show. All the other storylines are a bit more entertaining. Ex- like No one thinks Selena's going to beat Oscar.
1: I want to watch Asuka kick her in the skull. I don't care about <laughs> the narrative around Asuka because she doesn't have a lot of riveting narrative. She just suddenly became the great Muta S, and then that was her character, and that is how she lives and functions within our wrestling, our wrestling universe until so somebody gives her a story, which they probably won't because WWE is super racist and does not know how to um, book a character who doesn't speak English as their first language, but that's neither here nor there. I want to watch her kick. To lean in the skull. Point,
0: the I've f- enjoyed f- the way they put Asuka during the quarantine because I think they lean into it like, fuck it, but nothing can do about it. And they've kind of done it in a good way. Like, she's, just this, she's just an ass kicker. And I like how they, right. they and, and this is going to tie into something we we'll talk about later, they blurred the lines facing heel. I think Vince just kind of like, fuck it, do what we got to do to make this thing fly. And Asuka and his, with the Kabuki Warrior, she floated between face and heel. Here she's clearly the face, but our character hasn't really changed. And so I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Her kicks Sally the big in the head of bunch. We'll go to the main card. Singles match. We're the Hurt business, Bobby Lashley taking on Apollo Cruz. Gimme Lashley. This is a weird this is a weird card because I'm thinking a lot of, I'm taking a lot of talk here, but I I'd say Lashley goes over on this. It's better to keep that group strong uh, headed into Survivor series.
1: Um I'm not gonna lie. Um like I said, uh, the uh Hurt business is a run back from um the BBC, the beatdown clan from TNA, and the fact that they're just now terrifying niggas in suits. Like there, I can't, I cannot objectively um, critique four niggas in suits hurting people. <laughs> I can't, like that's just cool to me as a black person. I like <laughs> that aesthetic. So I the do. fact, that they, right? So I don't know, like just those they they. I can't, I have no opinion on it, and I can't really share one. Like I don't know how to critique it. Bobby Lash is gonna right. go over as he should because niggas in suits retain titles. Full stop. Apollo Crews messed up by not becoming a nigga in a suit. Cedric Alexander yeah, will yeah.
0: succeed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the nigga horseman right now. Like, this is – I I'm, I was very slow to turn to to accept the Hurt Business legitimate angle, but MVP has been so good on the microphone. I, I, I've gone back and watched some of his first run because I wasn't watching wrestling. Then. So I've been kind of, like, learning more of the ouvoir of MVP, and I'm all in on it. Next up, okay. Bobby uh, – excuse me. The Street Profits defending against Andrade and Angel Garza. I think they're taking Zelina away from those two, which means mid card hell for those two, which means street profits for
1: Yes. That's good. The street profits versus, um, handsome Latin men
0: six. How many times have they wrestled?
1: Too many. Yeah. So I'm not,
0: it's cool. Speaking of wrestling too many times. A triple te- match, ladder match in an IC title. A triple threat you watched on television on Friday. Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn. A match I legitimately would am super excited for because that's three talents in a match. It's going to be very interesting to see how they use it. I'm taking Sami Zayn because I like Sami Zayn.
1: I like Sami Zayn. AJ's going to win. Jeff Hardy worries me. He looks like Mickey Rourke in that wrestling movie. I forgot the name of it. The wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wrestler, yeah. He looks like he looks like Mickey Rourke. The level of fatigue Jeff Hardy carries with him every match, every time he comes out, it reminds me of Mickey Rourke and the wrestler, and I just I just want him to stop. I understand he, he bumps. doesn't have he bumps to, so much for being as old as he is. He bumps but also he bumps heavy, he bumps like he re he comes out he comes out like flat, he wrestles, he bumps heavy, and he just looks like he's just throwing himself around out there, and I'm just like
0: I want to know Jeff Hardy's pre-match stretch routine because I feel like he's stretching while he's in the first opening of the match. I feel like he's, like, loosening hands. He's like, okay, I feel – like, did you even know you were about to wrestle, Jeff? That's he, – he looks
1: so – he looks so tired from all being Hardy that I just want him to get, like – I want him to get the Matt Hardy AEW run where he's his own DLC pack as his gimmick and just doesn't wrestle as much. And we just spend all of our energy respecting the fact that Jeff Hardy's been Jeff Hardy for 25 years. I would love that just so he could stop bumping. Cesaro
0: and Shinsuke are taking on Lucha House Party for the SmackDown Tech titles. I think they are a tank because I just don't care about this match. I I can't make myself care. It's going to be fun because those those are two guys who are good bases for the flippy dudes, but we'll see.
1: But that's not on the free show, which is sure
0: <laughs> to share. Uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler are defending their women's tag team championship against an actual tag team in the riot squad. So this is pretty obviously sending us to Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler, right?
1: I just hope Nia Jax doesn't hurt anyone. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> that's a standard he answer. Wrestled.
0: Bailey is defending her SmackDown title against Nikki Cross. I've got Nikki Cross in an upset because the Bailey-Sasha program does not need a belt. And you can... You can pivot Nikki into Nikki versus Alexa.
1: Um, it can go a lot of different ways. Um, I have a feeling that I can see Sasha helping Bailey because she wants Bailey. Oh,
0: you know, that's like, oh, that, that's a that'd be a great like face move there. That's good.
1: Literally disqualify the round and end the match, and then stare down Bailey and then leave because the I'm taking your belt, not her, not anyone. No one else,
0: else is taking your belt. Ooh, even, that's a. I,
1: You safe because I'm going to hurt you very badly.
0: Let's get air in the pin here. That's a pretty good booking move right there. Um, so I, oh, I, I'm aghast. McIntyre versus Orton will close the show, but we're talking about that one last. It's an ambulance match for the WWE Championship. The rumor is they're taking the title off Drew to give Randy his 14th run. You protect him by doing an ambulance match. I would like Drew to see Drew retain it, but I understand why they might. The rumor is after the Thunderdome run is up, they're going to be traveling again. Do you think Drew McIntyre retains?
1: No, I think I put it on Randy. Sad, but I true. mean, doing- you know it's
0: not sad because Randy's bringing that fucking fire this year. Normally, right. I'm like lukewarm right. on the Randy run. Give me a Randy run. Let's go.
1: Uh, Randy, Randy Orton's doing some good work in the ring. He's doing some primo acting. He's doing he's 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 he's, cl- he's hitting all the buttons right now. For a guy who can coast and has coasted, he is not coasting, and he is very good. So Lock and
0: Randy's terrifying, and you remind reminded why he's very good at professional wrestling.
1: He
2: is
0: so, Speaking of people so who awesome. are very good at professional wrestling, holy shit, Jay Uso, get yourself over, kid. He delivered a promo on SmackDown that made me legitimately think that he thinks he has a chance. And then, dog, Roman's, Roman's screaming at him holding the belt, you could never support this family. Right. It's going to be so violent. And I think that pretty obviously we're getting Roman Rocket Mania.
1: Yeah. He's going to um he's gonna be I mean uh, having um Paul Heyman refer to him as the tribal
0: chief. Dog, I'm at the ta- I sit at the front of the table with yeah. his family. Like you are doing and what's gonna happen? This is just deep on fantasy booking. He he beats Jay so bad he can't continue the ref stoppage match, and then you don't see Jay again until the month of mania or maybe at Rex rumble rock roman stare down and the usos back the rock i'm here for it i'm 100 percent here for it aaron man thank you for coming on and actually being recorded this time i really do appreciate you um excusing my idiocy and i hope to have you back sooner than later will you tell everyone where they can find all of your you know internet goodness
1: well, I'm happy to be here. I love being on the program. And it's not it, easy. This shit goes down. If anyone makes fun of you, they clearly were not recording enough podcasts. And that's on them. Fuck off. i won't say it. I'll say it. Fuck off. Thank you.
0: Man, I do appreciate it. That was your show, guys. We're going to be back on the middle of the week. I'm trying to figure out how this new schedule is going to go because not doing college football is a weird place for
2: me to be. It's a weird place for me to format the program, but we're going to make it work. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys. Let me see you.